things can't go back to the way they were, or could they for tomorrow's protector? Welcome to The Circuit Magazine, the number one source of information on protection matters, the industry-leading magazine for all security professionals who want to stay ahead of the game. Does the hybrid working environment apply to tomorrow's protector or just their principal? This week, I'm here with Sean West. We're going to be talking through some of the ramifications that the opening up of society this summer might have. And of course, today we're going to be joined uh, by Mike O'Neill, Managing Director of Optimal Risk, great friend of the industry, great friend of the magazine and association. That's an interview that I have done with John Moss. But but I think it's best to frame it with hybrid environments in mind. Um, Sean, where do you think we can go with this? Because it's one thing to say we're going to have a hybrid future. But is it not the case that protectors were only having a hybrid environment last year because they themselves were not employed and therefore they can they can engage in it? But but now they're engaged. Where's the hybrid environment? Well, that's an interesting question, Pelham. By the very nature of our role as a protector, how can this be carried out hybrid? It, it, it can't. If you're a close protection officer, you need to be there to be able to deliver that protection. You can't do that over Zoom. Whilst your principal may be able to carry out business, you yourself as a protector cannot carry that out over Zoom. I'm not sure it can be carried out in our space. I'd be interested to hear what Mike thinks, your thoughts on the matter. But yeah, no, it's, it's a very tricky one. Because... Maybe our understanding of hybrid is important, not because a protector will have a, a hybrid environment. Maybe they'll have a more mobile environment. And maybe like in previous um, editions, you know, we had Brittany Galley, we were looking at uh, everything operating off one mobile phone, right? So maybe, maybe a mobile or a deskless environment is, you know, the way forward for the protector. But how have you seen the life of the hybrid principle sort of change? Because... Because, you know, does it just mean they're at home more? And if it does, uh, what, what security considerations, you know, are, are, are there? For sure. In my case, the principles I work with, there's been a lot less travel and a lot more emphasis on the home security or the security of the location where they're based out of. And whilst they've been bedded down and they've been carrying out their business, it's added a lot more protocols that we've had to implement in respect of you know, changeovers of personnel. There's a lot more to think about now. You know, if you've got all of your team working in a bubble, everyone's COVID safe, everyone's been tested, nobody's leaving site during the lockdowns, and then you want to do a changeover of staff. There's a lot of considerations because you're bringing people into that bubble who, who may infect, you know, and it'll spread like wildfire throughout the bubble you've created. Um, so we've, we've had a lot of different protocols we've had where we've had isolation pods within sites where we provide protection where people have came in they've been tested they've gone to the isolation pod we've had tests after lateral flow tests when they arrive on site alongside a pcr test where they get a result a few days later they've isolated for a number of days and until they get a clear result then the protector who's in situ can then go home with the new mm. oncoming team to take place and, and this is the case across the board with housekeepers the butlers nannies you know it's a it's a lot bigger operation now with a lot more thought that has to go into it i yeah i i i, I like that and 
you know, you paint a, a very vivid picture. I can also imagine that, let's say this continues and you know, there's no reason to assume it won't continue. We're going to be super vigilant about all things to do with the home. And I guess we'll get back, we'll get away from some of the COVID issues, although that's going to be there. Maybe we'll be thinking about food delivery. Uh, maybe we'll be thinking about the home office and, 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 and all sorts of TSM considerations around there. I don't know. Is, is food delivery going to be a big thing? Am I imagining it? Yeah. I mean, when we, the UK first went into lockdown, there was, you know, when COVID was new, new, nobody knew how much this thing would spread, what the ramifications would be. We tried to limit the movements of all of our staff. Um, so people weren't going out for food. We were getting food delivered and, you know, essentials delivered. But then you've got to go through a protocol of who's bringing that food? How's it getting to the site? So things have relaxed a little now, but yeah, there's still, you know, a lot to think about. In the UK, we've done it really well. You know, the vaccination rollout has been fantastic and we've slowly released the lockdown restrictions, which I think in the UK, a lot of people have complained to do with lockdown. But I think when you look at us alongside other countries, some things we've done, you know, not so great, but I think the vaccination rollout has done really well the way we're progressing at the moment as a country. Well, well, that that will enable us to work more more hybrid, or or should I say, our principles to be more hybrid. Um, but but I guess maybe this is what we're going to get through with with Mike. Is it in fact unfair to say, oh, the whole world is going hybrid, the whole world is now working from home, and and so on and so forth? Because protectors can't. You, I mean, maybe there'll be a special um, technical EP officer who can you know, secure principles remotely. Maybe there's some managed security service provider that, is, that can do it remotely. But maybe just like last year or the year before, in fact, when we were talking about, right, the, uh, the Bitcoin billionaires, um, you've got to change your approach to protecting them. Yeah, for sure. And I think, you know, every principle is completely different. I provide services to a number of principles. And, you know, one principle, for instance, you know, at the start of the lockdown, the message came across nobody to worry about their work if you can work from home go home be safe be with your families we'll get through this together and you have another principal who you know immediately upon the covid outbreak they want to limit the staff they want to limit the people around them so a lot of people will let go and for that principal in particular it wasn't about security it was more about health mm. it's just i don't want to be surrounded i'm not going to travel so much now i'm not going to be going to restaurants constantly so my security force doesn't need to be what it is currently here and trim back in a lot of different ways and a lot of different areas. So, yeah, no, it's different. I think as a protector, you need to be fluid and, you know, deal with ever-changing situations. And can it be a hybrid job for a protector? I'm not so sure that, I mean, there's hybrid solutions you can put in place. You know, you, you can put extra technical security systems in place. But for a principle that requires, you know, personal protection, that, that human element needs to be there and it's not going to go away. Love it. Well, well, let's get into it then with Mike O'Neill. Um, let, let's, let's hear his thoughts. Of course, this is all off the back of an article that Mike uh, wrote uh, recently. And, uh, and I'm, I'm very interested to see how this, how this matches up with our initial thoughts. Looking forward to this great session. And now, let's meet one of the contributors to The Circuit magazine.
hybrid working in the corporate security professional. Mike O'Neill, it's a pleasure to have you here. You're the managing director of Optimal Risk, great friend of the industry and the association. Can't believe it's taken this long to have you on. Great to have you here. How are you doing? Hi, Pelham. I'm good, thank you. How are you? We're good. I'm here with John and, and we're bustling to go uh, into a whole new range of uh, topics for the uh, for the magazine. One of the big, big topics at the moment is hybrid working. But if we take a step back, what do you think is wrong at the moment? Or what is the problem that we're going to have to solve when we uh, you know, come out of lockdown? Well, I think there's a number of points to look at there. I, I think, first of all, it's worth saying that I've been impressed really by how well the commercial world has pivoted towards working from home now over what, 15, uh, 14 months ago when lockdown first came in. People have been very innovative and I think it's matured in some ways. I don't think it's going to be everyone working from home forever. Attractive as it might be, I think people are starting to push back. I saw the head of Netflix uh, made a comment the other day that we're losing out on a lot of creativity and uh, interaction with our colleagues. You can do so much over Zoom that I think it's a... Uh, Oh, I should say other online conference facilities are available, but you have to, it, it's a 2D world. That's how I describe it. So I think there is a, uh, a bit of a, a hunger for people to get back. But I think we will see this hybrid issue. There's been a lot of security issues raised around that in increased vulnerability to cyber attack. You've got GDPR issues with other people being able to see documents or open screens in, in the home or a shared um, living space. We've also had, obviously, many offices uh, either empty or very sparsely populated, which brings on different security problems. But I think as well, you know, having used the train probably half a dozen or eight times during the last year i've noticed that you know they're getting busier and busier and i think there is a real um a real thirst to to get back and uh, try and get the economy open again I, I like it but 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 then hybrid working in particular as opposed to complete reversal obviously it's uh, it's something many people are thinking about but where does your enthusiasm for particularly hybrid working come from because why not complete reversal? I would say that we've all been moving towards a more hybrid way of working over the last few years. The ubiquitous laptop that people carry around, mobile phones, uh, the connectivity capability, and we're all quite used to taking calls at different times of the day. And if it's an early morning call, you might log on uh, from home before you head off to the office or or go off to visit clients during the day. So I think we've, we've moved towards that a lot. I've, I've been following this and read some interesting uh, sort of property industry articles where people are looking, organisations are looking uh, to move away potentially from the big centralised headquarters building, uh, slim that down where people go when they need to, but also looking at building up a series of regional hubs I think that uh, we'll see that. And again, people won't necessarily be based there full time. If they have a client facing role, they might be seeing clients one or two days a week. 
They might work from home one or two days a week and go into the office that one or two days a week. And I think there's no doubt that getting people in a room can be a lot more productive if the meeting's well managed. I think the other point, particularly looking at uh, our sector, the broader security sector, security guards are still going to have to obviously be in location where they're contracted to be. Close protection professionals are going to be facing different problems. Their principal may well be working from home uh, one or two days a week. So rather than them picking them up and taking them to the office, do they? Uh, the risk and threat assessments are going to have to be um, adjusted to take into account that uh, he may well be there or maybe traveling to other um, locations at that time. And also how we rotate teams around and get people enough working days that they're making a, a living wage, as well as making sure that we're um, facilitating the requirements of the principal and, uh, and their companies. So I think there's some interesting challenges lying ahead. I, I, I love that. And, and actually, now is the time in our quickfire questions when I'd usually say, what do you want the uninitiated to know? But, but in fact, I think for this topic, we sort of almost have to bundle it into what you've just been talking about because it's yet to happen or it's, it's an emerging theme. Um, so, so actually, I'd like to bring in John to look at this from a few different angles. Hi, Mike. It's great to have you on the podcast. Um, you know, as, as the owner of a successful security business that operates out of one of the busiest cities in the world, looking back over the last 12 months, what's been the biggest challenges for yourself for optimal risk over that time? Go, you know, going right back to the start of the pandemic and how did you pivot or how did you head them off? As I'm sure for a lot of people, we don't provide man guarding services. So a lot of our um, business in that sector just uh, came to a halt. We, oddly enough, we've expanded a couple of contracts in that area and started uh, one or two as well. So that worked. Our technical side of the business was looking, uh, we uh, quite early got involved with the body temperature measurement systems based on thermal cameras. So that kept us very busy for a a few months last summer when a lot of organisations were looking at installing those. Uh, And the main thinking behind that really was to improve the employee confidence that the organisations were taking their duty of care very seriously. We had to be very flexible and very adaptable, working with our clients, both providing the services that they were looking for, but also working with them in a consulting type role to try and look at ways to adapt and overcome the problems that uh, were brought on by lockdown. So it was actually, it was very fast paced. It was very challenging. It was fascinating as well. You could see how some organizations just couldn't see a way forward. Others were very, very swift. Business continuity plans kicked in in some organizations incredibly quickly. Others, um, lots of people hunkered down, but then realized they had to find safe working methods. So it was actually, yeah, it was quite stretching to be fair, but I think we, we seem to come through it quite well. And that was an experience. I'm not sure I'd like to see another year or so of that, but yeah, it's been good. 
there, there was certainly a lot of uncertainty at the beginning, not really fully understanding what we were facing, mm. uh, the scope and scale of it. And you talking about continuity planning and so on there. I, I saw a lot of people being caught out, mostly because the continuity plans that had been created weren't really factoring in things of this size and scale. And I'm just wondering now, given that we've gone through that, what, what has remained in place? What will you keep and, and what will you toss? Like maybe just the, the top one or two takeaways. I'm trying to remember an American general came out with a great phrase, which is um, plans are useless, but planning is everything. And I think that where those business continuity plans didn't work is because they were really quite a technical approach. I think the, the organizations that um, did better have embraced over the last few years uh, an approach to resilience planning, which is we don't know what's going to happen, but we've got to prepare ourselves to be able to deal with that. And that might sound a bit loose, but actually it's the point about not being too structured, understanding the issues that can arise over communication. That's one of the key aspects of it. And I think it's that having a resilience-based um, mindset allows you to respond with the flexibility and agility that you need at times like that. So I think we're going to see more of that. Less of the um, few inches thick business continuity plan and more about that preparation, desktop exercises. They don't have to be big. They don't have to challenge. I mean, if anyone had talked about a 14-month lockdown in a crisis management exercise in 2019, they'd have been laughed out of the room. I don't think that's going to happen again. So we just have to be prepared for the unexpected and work to deal with that. Yeah, well, what I'm really hearing there is communication and change in mentality, and, and I couldn't agree more. I think uh, communication's been really obvious. I mean, even just what we're doing now as, as a kind of a byproduct, in, in a good sense as well, it, it's not just to reflect on all the negatives, right? It, the, some really good things, I, I believe, have come out of this time and that they're here to stay, communications being one of them. And like you say, I think this uh, mindset, having a more flexible, adaptable mindset, not being so rigid, but also being open to the planning, is crucial. Well, as, um, as both of us being ex-paras, I am going to uh, bring in the regimental motto, Utrinque Paratus, <laughs> ready for anything. Um, and I think that's definitely the mindset that uh, we need to take forward both, you know, in our own personal lives, but definitely in our in our business lives, not only for our own businesses, but also when we're dealing with clients and try and open their eyes to the things that can happen to them. I heard a great, a great phrase in a, another conference I was involved in where we're talking about black swan events, which obviously are the... Uh, those things which uh, come along very rarely but cause huge impact. And uh, the phrase came up of a, a grey rhino event, which happens much more regularly but still has huge impact. So it's the first time I'd heard it. So I was determined to get to use uh, grey rhino as a phrase. So hopefully that will stay in the podcast. Yeah, it's, it's here for posterity now. Yeah. You, you said it here first. Okay. But I think that was... Um, 
It's been really interesting. I think picking up on your point there, John, I think there's there has been a lot that's been learned. And I think, yeah, there's been a great tribute to, you know, human resourcefulness and adaptability in the way that people have dealt with this. One of my worries is I think there will be impact on people in terms of the the lockdown, those who haven't been able to you know, get out very much or even uh, engage with other people. I, um, I heard a, uh, something on the radio about uh, a woman that hadn't actually spoken to, an old lady that hadn't actually spoken to anyone for 14 months since lockdown started. Um, and uh, somebody was uh, got involved with that and was giving us some help. And you think, and there will be pockets of people that have have suffered. And I think we all need to be open to that. And, you know, the, the last few years have seen a much more um, developed uh, uh, and broadening understanding of, you know, mental health. And I think we, we all owe it to each other to keep our eyes open and make sure that we're, um, we're flexible, we're understanding and you know if we see people that we think need help you know work out a way that we can try and help them because there will be impact you know if we lift off all restrictions on june the 21st as a planned there are still going to be huge aftershocks so we need to be careful and aware of those yeah it's a great shout out especially given that it's mental health awareness week right now it's very topical Mm. and it's something within our communities as well that we're really trying to focus on and and be a support mechanism for you know not none of us are medical practitioners we're not mental health experts but we've been there we can relate to what other people are going through and just to be there as a listening ear for anyone who needs it i i think will probably be huge comfort to people right now there are some um i've got some people who are doing uh, some online mental health awareness training um and the feedback that i've been getting from that is really positive they're all learning a lot but also it's taking away the mystique for mm-hmm. them i think we all have a natural inclination to think oh I, i'm not a mental health specialist i don't know what to do but sometimes just putting that uh, metaphorical arm around somebody and saying, you okay, that can help a lot. So I think taking the mystique and the, the anxiety away from it can, can help us all you know, be a little bit more helpful to others. Which, which is, in fact, a very important facet of this hybrid working topic that we're looking at, because we assume that hybrid might be better, or at least we're hoping that it might be better, yet there will be winners and losers. There will be people who would like to be homeworking but have to be frontline and vice versa. You uh, wrote a very interesting article the other month, which I, I guess inspired this uh, hybrid working topic as well. Changing uh, tact a, a little bit, you explored the supply chain and the ability to achieve resilience through seeing the supply chain, given that maybe during uh, COVID, even if you were secure, maybe different elements couldn't uh, follow through for you how how important is that and and i guess maybe on a practical level how how would a solo practitioner or a small business get greater visibility of their supply chain when we come out of all of this it's something we've been pushing for a few years actually it's that um having the awareness of your supply chain and the vulnerabilities that 
the individual companies within that might be open to. So you as a company may think, great, we've got our resilience planning in place. We know what's going to happen, how we respond to this. And your procurement departments have hammered the pricing down on one of your major suppliers. So they're operating on quite thin margins, don't have the resilience or the fat in the system. So something happens, they're going to fall over. They don't have the ability or agility to respond. So that's, it works for all different organisations. I mean, you think of us, where, where do we get supplies? We talked about communications. If the communications network goes down, we're all completely messed up. Looking back at the, the smaller companies, solo operators, all of those things, it's about analysing the things that you rely on every day and think, if this happened, what could I do? Think about um, anything that you need to provide the services to your clients. How do you build in flexibility around that? And I don't forget how when we've seen that the card networks have gone down and people haven't been able to pay in supermarkets. Seems a simple thing, but you know, how are you going to fill up with uh, petrol if, if the um, card machines aren't working? We're seeing it out in America. Look at the uh, reliance on the, the pipeline where they've had a uh, ransomware attack. The Irish NHS or their version of the health services um, has had a ransomware attack that stalled their um, vaccination programme. So look at these vulnerabilities and how dependent we are on the on these little focal points. So look at the single points of failure that exist within your operating environment and, and work to try and back those up or have alternatives in place. Mike, I know it's a topic that's uh, big on your agenda and we discuss it a lot on the events and so on, and that is uh, cyber vulnerability. And, you know, it, we're hearing about it all the time now and, and it's particularly the big stories that we're hearing, you know, the solar winds mm. and the pipeline being the most recent one. But obviously, this has got to be a threat for anyone. So how do smaller businesses prepare for something like this? What are your concerns right now? Um, I think the things that businesses have to do is have a look at the way they structure their, their IT and their communications and either get some specialist advice but keep all your programs up to date make sure that all the updates that come out are implemented make sure that you're using two-factor authentication wherever you can make sure that you keep all your colleagues up to date on the latest uh, threats on phishing awareness of if you receive a strange email that's got a video attached to it hang on think why am I getting this? Do I really want to open this? I don't know this person. So it's just keeping that same point across. Most of the, yes, you've got solar winds and all those sort of high-end attacks, but there are so many really simple attacks that people fall for. I mean, there's still a lot of telephone scamming going on. We've got the CEO um, attack on a Friday where they ask you to change, you know, make a uh, ask the finance department to make a make a payment to this particular client or change payment details. It's um, making maintaining people's awareness about that. I know you do through the BBA 
sort of keep raising that awareness. I think, again, the new app is working. It's that getting that message out there, just reminding people. You can't keep hammering it home every day, but a reminder with some anecdotal examples, I think, always works well. Tell people that, look, you're vulnerable to this. This is how it happened to somebody else. And they might think, oh, next time that happens, I'm not going to fall for it. But, yeah, I think it was Ronald Reagan said, trust but verify. And I think that's the way that we have to go forward. And, and that, I think, is, is key to the hybrid working topic that at least, you know, you were, you were writing about the other day. And we had uh, Brittany Galley on the other day from GST uh, getting security done. And she was, she was talking a lot about deskless working. And so I was thinking, actually, is, is that what maybe our colleagues have to be aware of? Not, not well, it's one form of hybrid working. Uh, if this summer heralds a turning point, we're really talking about deskless working and, and so mobile first because you're, you're going to have operators on the move, frontline staff outside and, uh, and periodically back at uh, some sort of desktop. What do you think? Is that a realistic vision again uh, or, or, or is there another type of hybrid working we should sort of watch out for? No, I, th- I think one of the points you talk about the deskless working, I think the people that I've particularly felt sorry for during this period are those people that are maybe house sharing maybe in their first or, or second job you know, with a large multinational or whatever organization they're working for, told to work from home, and effectively they've got their bedroom, which becomes a 24-hour prison, and they're supposed to find a convenient way of working, you know, propping their laptop literally on their lap, and that's not healthy. It's an occupational health issue. And staying with the deskless workforces, a lot of the security industry already is and has been for a long time, deskless in, in many ways. And thinking about the the technical innovations that can make that more efficient and, and, and more productive throughout the whole reporting chain, is that something that Optimal Risk is looking into, Mike? I'm definitely up for anything that makes life easier. It's funny you say that we're looking at a new platform for rostering and and managing personnel issues because I think it's, yeah, there are some solutions out there. But yeah, I definitely think we have to look at the efficiencies that we can get from modern uh, technology. You know, we, we need to make sure that we're not a slave to these things. Sometimes technology drives you in a way that actually is not the most efficient. So I think we're seeing a lot of really good apps coming out. The visibility of being able to understand where your colleagues are in terms of availability for meetings and things, I think that's really good. But of course, that and if you've got back-to-back Zoom or Teams calls, when do you actually do the work product that's come out of that, that, um, that you know, the work that your colleagues are expecting you to deliver in time for the next one when it's back-to-back meetings? So, I think we've got, you know, and this also touches back onto the mental health aspect as well. Um, and I think we'll all, you know, accept that, you know, you don't have to be writing something. You don't have to be meeting with people to be productive all the time. Great sentiments. And of course, that uh, increase of productivity might have a cost somewhere. So that's uh, an emerging topic as well. I guess we're looking at a variety of topics uh, throughout the Circuit Magazine and, you know, corresponding Circuit Magazine podcast. This is an evolving thing. And I'd like to maybe go, come back to this in six to eight months and say, you know, where our predictions 
correct or you know hopefully we don't do any more uh lockdowns and so on but but i think this is a great a great way forward so 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 mike it's been a pleasure to have you on finally you've been a great friend of the industry uh you know great great friend to me and 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 to john and to the association um it's uh, it's been a pleasure having you and uh we look forward to uh, to seeing what this summer brings thanks Pelham. um great to chat to you and uh, to john nice to chat mike take care john take care Pelham. bye-bye Great to hear from Mike O'Neill. Really appreciate his help uh, on a personal level and a professional level. It's a great uh, leader in the industry and, and, and pleased to reach out uh, to him. Um, obviously, a lot of this uh, inquiry about hybrid working sort of got uh, you know, inspired by an article uh, he, he recently wrote. And he looked at that flexibility and the, the, the way to make a robust and resilient workforce even in times of crisis. Sean, what what did you take away from today's session? No, I think Mike's great. A lot of respect for the guy coming from a similar parachute regiment background as well, which is great. I think one thing I take away from it, I know he's, he spoke about uh, supply chain security, mm. and I think it's important, and I think a lot of companies during the crisis will have evaluated different suppliers that they use, you know, and, and moving forward, you will look to use, you know, reputable companies as opposed to, I don't know, one-man bands who maybe weren't able to help you during the crisis, how, as opposed to how a more established um, supplier could, or it may have been the flip side where the established supplier couldn't help you during the crisis, and the smaller companies had, had a more ability to manoeuvre and pivot and make, you know, lemons out of lemonade out of lemons. Mm. Yeah, no, I like that. I like that. Uh, le- lemonade out of lemons. But that's that's the magic of perhaps the solo operator. They might be in that sweet spot and they might have capitalized on this time and they and they may not be so small anymore. You never know. Yeah, I mean, so many companies have used it, you know, the crisis and, you know, went from zero to hero in such a short space of time. And I take my hats off to them for sure. And that's something Mike was sort of reflecting on as well. Some people were presented by the headlight beams and they behaved like a rabbit uh, and some people you know didn't and i can't find a better analogy for that but it's 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 just an interesting way to to look at how people have reacted now our hearts do go out to people who have not been able to capitalize of course it's not all been you know fun and games and it's not all been within people's control but i i like this approach of saying well no actual grand reopening of society in the summer it's going to be gradual or hybrid which kind of ties back to our original discussion before the interview which is who is going to be hybrid is it going to be the protector probably not it's going to be much more the principal or i suppose a security consultant you know who who is not hands on with the principal maybe that will that will be equally equally hybrid um but uh, but yes, coming back to the present day, though, before we get into this future environment, uh, what uh, have we got coming up with the magazine? We have issue 58, which will be coming out soon. Um, we're just finishing off getting in our contributions from regular contributors. Um, if anyone else would like to produce an article for the magazine or come for an interview on the circuit podcast, please feel free to get in touch 
We also have the upcoming Protective Mobility Forum, which yourself is running, Pelham, on the 9th of June. Do you want to tell us a bit about that? Oh, yeah, absolutely. That's that's exciting because uh, some people might know I have a you know sweet spot for protective mobility. I used to run uh, armored vehicle events. And so what I've done is I've got a few case studies, a few exposés of excellent careers for drivers and, and, then, and a few technology sessions to say, well, everyone was obsessed with cleanliness and, and hygiene during COVID. Sure, that won't go away. But but what's coming next? So I've just secured an excellent speaker on future run flat systems. Uh, it's quite timely. Why run flat in particular? Well, everyone probably saw that uh, very, very uh, excellent uh, driving by the South African uh, driver that, that, that went uh, around the Internet. Uh, I, I don't think that would have been possible without run flat systems. So that's why I pick it up. And and we, we're going to open with a great live session from Joe Ortera of the VDI. And uh, he, he you know, well, Joe has really helped us uh, with this. So, so it's going to be practical skills and application for the protector in the field of protective mobility, um, courses and, and, and training that is really relevant and not just sexy. Of course, most of the protective mobility is sexy, so we can't help it. <laughs> Who am I to get in the way? <laughs> but, uh, but, but it's going to be really applicable. Yeah, another, you know, yourself as someone who's pivoted really well during the, the pandemic, you've managed to change your physical event business into providing virtual events. And I know you're looking soon to come back to physical events. And I know you've got a bit of a spin on that. You've got a physical event booked in Phoenix, but you're not actually going to be there. How, how's that working? Well, I mean, I say I'm not going to be there. It's just because I made a calculated risk that we're not going to be allowed into the States in August. I've got a local team to run it anyway. And, you know, you, you mentioned return to physical events. I, I, I think that we're going to view virtual events and physical events as basically different types of fruit. Um, apples and oranges, they're, they're both fruit, but they're both different. This, for example, you know, podcast has been, has been really key to get people from around the world talking. Um, as have our virtual events, right? Our virtual events where we bring people from Asia and Latin America and America and Africa and Europe and the Middle East, let's, let's include everyone here. Um, it, that's not something that we can easily do in a physical format without great expense. And topics change. So if something new comes up, we can react really quickly. Um, the physical ones, I think, can be really good for networking for camaraderie for inspiration but i but i think they're going to have to have more of a wow factor of course in the beginning meeting someone will be a wow factor <laughs> that, that that actual you know oh there's a physical person that's amazing but yeah so so 19th of august is the fifth annual convergence forum and uh, we will enjoy a face-to-face -face, uh, session but yeah other than that we, we we've got great interactivity on the app i know uh, sean you've been asking many questions uh, not least today i think you asked a, a big question on the app what are you trying to get people to uh, engage with well i think you know some people sit and they sit in the background in different communities and they you know they, they absorb the information which is great but sometimes i think it's good to get involved by if you've got a burning question you don't know the answer please ask it you know if you don't know the answer then you know sure as hell somebody else doesn't also and if you ask someone else contributes gives you the answer the person who gives the answer it brings someone else in and you know it brings a whole lot of protectors and professionals 
into the discussion and everybody can learn and grow. And I just think it's a great place for people to network. It is indeed, because, you know, someone asked a question and then, all right, maybe maybe there was a bit of, um, they wanted a hurried answer, right? However, different parts of our community wake up at different times, including myself. So eventually we're able to get them an answer. So within 24 hours, that person had an answer, which I think is testament to the power of the community. Um, but yeah, hybrid environments, certainly interesting. Even if you as a protector, you're not going to have a hybrid environment yourself, you're going to be protecting someone with a hybrid environment. Maybe that's a, that's a key takeaway. All right. Well, from Sean and myself, thanks uh, to Mike O'Neill for coming on and being such a great uh, guest. We look forward to another fantastic edition of the Circuit Magazine podcast. You have been listening to the Circuit Magazine podcast. Be sure to subscribe and be sure to not miss an episode.